Well, hi there. Welcome to another episode of the Hillbrook CTE podcast. My name is Bill Zellick. I am Director of Technology here at Hillbrook. And I am Annie Makala, Director of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. Yes, you are. Hi, Bill. Hey, how are you, Annie? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, 2020. I know. This is our first podcast back in 2020. I was telling someone recently... When I was in sixth grade, we were assigned a project to imagine life in year 2020. Oh my gosh. And, and that's over now. The, that's now. Over the break, I was with my four best friends from middle school and we were talking about how we all thought we'd be living on the moon in 2020. <laughs> so maybe we're coming to you from a lunar podcast series. Nice. The, the lunar podule. Yes. You didn't know that the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship is actually going to exist and Richard Branson's flight to the moon. Well, I've been telling people that the work you're doing is out of this world. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Uh, how's that for a cold open? That was great, Bill. <laughs> you always you always have a winner. Yes. But we're talking about another pillar of social entrepreneurship. That's right. This week we're going to talk about the pillar of civics. Yes, and not the Honda Civic. No, not the Honda Civic. No. Although the Honda Civic I have read is supposedly... The best car you can buy a new driver. Oh. Safest, most reliable, longest lasting. Fantastic. So anybody that's got a 16, 17, 18 year old out there, check out the Honda Civic. Nice. Well, so if we think about civics, kind of my only like without doing any homework on this is thinking about, oh, there's like a civics class that people in like the 70s took <laughs> to learn about like the Rotary Club. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Community engagement. Right. Like this is my prior knowledge before actually studying up on it. But that's, yeah, that, that's kind of accurate. Right. But there's so much more. That's right. I think civics is, is probably like one of the oldest parts of a school curriculum. We just have called it lots of different things over the years. Yeah. So what are some of the other names? Um, we might have called it. I mean, I think some people probably call it community engagement. Service learning. Service learning. Um, we now at Hillbrook are calling it some form of social impact, social entrepreneurship. Um, civics, I think, specifically asks learners to think about how they are part of communities, um, which communities they're part of, and how they support those communities. Um, so it's like how you connect with your community. Exactly. Right? And how you understand your day-to-day -day participation in those communities. Oh, so it's not just a take. Not just a take. Oh, no. okay. Active participation um, and active, you know, how you shape and evolve those communities has to do with how you participate in them. Nice. How you shape the communities. That fits in with your mission statement, doesn't it? It does. Yes. We believe deeply that we are helping children understand how they want to make an impact in the world, how they can shape and shift the communities that they're a part of. I would share that even more specific, perhaps we call the pillar civics. At Hillbrook and with junior kindergarten to eighth grade students, what we're really talking about is something more specific, micro civics. Um, and this is a, a term and, and perhaps even an idea that was brought to me by some colleagues um, at the ACE Center at Castilea. My friend Angelica was the first one to really instill the idea of teaching micro civics to children um, as a core subject and the need to do that. And some of their work defines micro civics as the act of creating social impact in your local community through daily habits. So through, it's not through daily habits. Exactly. Okay. It's not, you know, once every couple of years I do this service trip or once every couple of years I go support a women owned business. It is the act intentionality of, um, 
making choices specific to the impact you want to have in your community. Okay. And it's a local thing, right? Like your community, not just the internet's not. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, we'll, we'll share an image that, um, I think gives more context to that, 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 you know, we say act local, think global. So I think eventually the idea is that this will have ripple effects into global communities, but really what we're helping students do is, is make these changes right here on campus in their own homes in their own towns and their own communities. Right. But they don't start global. It's the local that translates to global. Is yeah, that fair? that's fair. That's mostly right. I think, you know, we try to be generous with the definition, knowing that that people come from all sorts of different global contexts. And, you know, how I define my community might be very different than how you define your community. And we have, you know, we're really lucky at Hillbrook to have students that come from all sorts of different communities and, and some still feel very connected to a global community of which they um, are a part of. OK, cool. So what does this actually look like then? at a JK or a K-8 school? Yeah, well, I would say we think about micro-civics um, sort of through three lenses, um, and it, it really can be characterized by um, something that happens every day, something that is habitual, so an act or a ritual that you're doing daily. Um, it's intentional, so you are thinking about the act of doing it. It requires deliberate action. Um, it might turn into something that you don't think about, but it's not the act of driving to work. It might be the act of driving to work and making sure that um, anytime somebody has needs to get in your lane, you're always going to be the car that slows down and allows someone to get into your lane. That would be an intentional act of driving. Um, and it's viral. It's something that others can pick up and be impacted by. So it's something that you could share with others knowing that you know it's not taking away from your own impact. And in, in fact, it's increasing your impact when others join you in this act. Oh, interesting. So it doesn't have to be like spending your time it can be just being kind being kind yeah but intentional and trying to make it a ritual that's right so if you're someone you know that really cares about women's empowerment and that's the the micro civics act that you have committed to we we often use the sustainable development goals to give children language and to give an entry point of how you might think about some of your civic engagement and then we think about the communities that we're a part of and that's a big part of the lower school reach beyond curriculum is helping children understand the various communities that they're a part of. Nice. And so I know like kindergarten and junior kindergarten for them, just being at a school is new and that, that is kind of the biggest community they can wrap their brains around. So it's getting to know Mr. Dave, Mr. Felix, Mr. Jorge. That's right. Right. And you know, maybe it's for a long period of time. Every time we see those people, we say hello and we call them by their name. Mm. And that would be a, you know, micro civic act that is intentional, that is habitual, and that has the potential um, to go viral across our, our school community. Oh, that's really cool. You know, um, Dave, who's been in our maintenance team, is just like such a great guy, such a hard worker. And like, yeah, they're all I can't incredible. imagine Hillbrook without Dave. Um, and he, he pulled me aside um, last year. It was our first time of, of doing Reach Beyond Block. Right. So every Thursday afternoon, our lower school students were engaged in two hours of reaching beyond themselves, making a difference in the world. And for them now, I'm I'm like reverse engineering and and filling in all the blanks now. Yeah, it was really about micro civics and it was about the community and they got to know the maintenance team. Right. And so Dave pulled me aside like right around kind of Thanksgiving break. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but like kids are saying hi to me like nobody 
has said hi to me. Nobody's like seen me in like 25 years. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, like Dave isn't the guy that's like, Hey, you know, let's, let's have a sit down and really like talk about something. Yeah. Um, to me at least. Yeah. But you know, he was like, wow. Like basically said, I feel seen. Yeah. You know, and that, that's so powerful. And, that cool? and that's tied of course, to our pillar of story, right? Which is when you create spaces for people to share their story, who they are, what they care about, what matters to them. You're creating opportunities for connection. You're weaving the social fabric of our community, of our school, um, into a larger conversation of, you know, what are, what are the things that we care about as a school community? Yeah, I love that. So what does this actually look like then? Can you, do you have any examples for us? Yeah. Things so you've done? Um, one of the things that I think is really fun that we've done um, and, you know, it, it looks different year to year. So last year, this looked like a, a lower school lunch club. This year, it's an enrichment after school club, knowing that um, our new schedule has staggered lunches. So one of the challenges we faced last year is when we had our social impact lunch club, children were coming at various times and we weren't able to actually have like a cohesive, we're doing this project today. Oh, right. Because if you want to get a first grader and a fourth grader, they don't eat at the same time. They don't eat at the same time. Some of them bring so, their lunches. Uh, some of them, you know, get school lunch. Some of them need, you know, to, to check in with the teacher, or go to the bathroom and it backs up to recess. And, you know, I believe deeply in having time to play and having time to connect with your peers. Um, so I didn't want this to become a, you choose recess or you choose social impact club. Oh, sure. So now it's an after school one day a week, Mondays, Mondays. Yeah. Your daughter is, is part she of is the, my, in, we call it the inventors club, but it really is, um, about micro civics. Oh, cool. It's about instilling the idea of, of bringing an inventor's mindset to problems or challenges you're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. Nice. So she had, um, like a paper straw and then, um, a rectangular prism, the size of maybe two computer mice kind of stuck together, yep. like the box that would come in and then like three feathers. Um, and she described like the name of it <laughs> and the features of it, but I never understood the why, like why, what, what was the prompt? I was very teachery when I asked her and I'm usually good about like asking a question that she can kind of engage with. I was like, what was the prompt that, so what, Annie, what was the prompt that, that made her create this, this thing? Yeah. So they, students had three choices. They were, um, we had kind of a box of different supplies and students had the opportunity to design a robot, to design a tool or to design a game that would solve a problem that they have in their life. Okay. So she picked a tool. So she picked a tool. She went through a series of different ideas. Um, one was specific to your dog. So a problem that I think she thought the dog would have. And then we talked about like, oh man, sometimes it's really hard to know, you know, dogs don't talk to us. So we don't always know the problems they're facing. Um, so she decided to pivot <laughs> and she joined a team. So we, you could work individually or you could work in partnership. And she joined a team at one point and then also kind of, I think, designed on her own towards the end of class. Um, and they were designing a robot that would do the dishes. Okay. And there was a very specific way that they wanted the dishes to be done. Um, and this was an interesting, you know, I, I do my dishes every night. You do your dishes every night. Yeah. It was an interesting exercise in being a teacher and just kind of like hearing <laughs> how they perceive dishes being done. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them had like, you know, they all have various experiences of, of the, the chore of doing dishes. Uh -huh. um, all like had a, a very enjoyable experience with this chore. Yeah. Um, one student said, well, like you obviously have to have a way to play music because you 
always play music when you're doing the dishes. That's just like, that's obvious. Obviously. And one, one other student was like, well, and you have to have a way, like you have to dry the dishes immediately. Otherwise they get like mm. all those streaks and they get like yucky water on them. And then, you know, sometimes people put things on top of them and it makes them dirty again. So this was like clearly a very different experience that this child was having with right, having right. done the dishes. Yeah. Um, and one student was talking about the fact that he doesn't do the dishes, but he likes to clean his toys in the dishwasher. Ah. So you had, we had to design something that would also right. be able to hold toys and different, um, you know, different types of things that might need to be cleaned. Which led to them thinking about, oh, like a dishwasher isn't just for dishes and sinks aren't just for cleaning dishes. And so they came up with this apparatus that was both a sink, a dishwasher, and a bathing tub for pets and toys. Oh, okay. And it was three parts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we really should let them tell the story because uh -huh. I am I am <laughs> less certain of what each part um, did specifically. But it was amazing to see all of the different um you know, problems that they were thinking about and, and their imaginative thinking and their ability to connect like different, you know, the sink and the dishwasher in some ways serve actually the same purpose, but everybody that has a dishwasher most likely also has a sink. So they're not tools that have replaced right. one or the other. Right, right. Um, so they were definitely thinking about like that interface of, of the two, the two tools. So this, this sounds a lot like the design thinking process. For sure. How, what's the relationship between those two? I think, yeah, I think there's a constant, you know, we talk about this with all the pillars that it's almost impossible to isolate a single pillar sure. from the others. So, um, story, civics, systems, design, finance agency all play together at any given point. And I think our goal is when we're teaching social entrepreneurship, we're always recognizing all the pillars, um, with civics taking kind of the lead role, the idea is that we are giving children intentionality of thinking about themselves as problem solvers. Okay. And so that, um, the imaginative thinking has an outlet and it has a application to the way that they're engaging in the world and their day-to-day -day actions. Um, but also that they are exploring the, the ways that they might share that thinking with others. Right. So, a big trend I'm seeing with ed tech in that space is, you know, creativity in the classroom. Um, and I feel like a lot of teachers are like, yes, I agree. And I'm stuck, mm. right? Like this feels like Interesting. it gives us almost like a lightning rod for a, a way to, to harness that creativity and that problem solving in a, a way that, that isn't just about the kid making a thing because they want to make a thing. It's about them like making a thing so that they can solve a problem so they can do mm. something for the community. Yeah. Right. Like it's a, um, I don't know, a lever. Like I like the lightning rod analogy that like yep. you hold up the, you know, here's civics problem solving and then you're like, Oh, creativity in the classroom. What is what? And then run with it. Right. In that way. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's a super interesting connection. And, um, it, it speaks to the kind of the habitual, and the viral potential of a micro civics mindset. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think another way that we're seeing this take off on our campus and it's been something that is 
in some ways been a little bit slow to happen. Um, but in other ways I think has, has spoken to the micro civics mindset, um, which is our commitment to sustainability on campus. And we have various students that feel deeply connected and, um, and committed to doing something about climate change. This is a topic that we often get emailed about that, you know, students want to see us make a change for reasons that are very real, um, for them and, and they're seeing the story of Greta Thunberg and all of the work she's doing to empower youth to speak up about this issue. Yeah. And we we have signs around campus. We have Is signs. Is that where you're going? Well, we have signs. We have new compost bins. We have videos. We have the third and fourth grade that have done a deep dive of, of sustainability practices during Reach Beyond Block. Uh-huh. Um, we have the middle school science team that teaches environmental sustainability as a core part and thread of all of their curriculum. Um, we have advisories that are taking this challenge on. Um, Emily Hendricks and I just finished uh, an elective in which many students chose to their their what matters to me topic of their digital story to be tied to sustainability. I think when we think about how we can can support and push students is um, you know the Greta Thunberg story is amazing. I always like to remind students that she did not her her story did not start with her speaking to the UN. Right, right. Her story started with her every day showing up in protest for many days this was alone. Yeah. And that was an act of microcivics. It was habitual, it was intentional, and it was something that then eventually went viral. Oh, wow. I see how that works. And I think we're seeing that on campus. You know, we had a we had a small group of students. Uh-huh committed to this work that began to grow a small group of faculty members committed to this work. It began to grow. We saw it in pockets around campus. It wasn't specific to a certain grade, to a certain gender, to a certain type of student or type of learner. It really spanned all sorts of different kinds of people. And recently I have noticed, I don't know if you feel this, that it's a topic. It's an issue that our, that our school is taking very seriously. Yeah, no, absolutely. It comes up pretty regularly now. And I think, you know, that is the idea that for a long period of time, people needed to do something every day, whether that was pick up a piece of trash, whether that's turn the lights off when you leave, whether that's, you know, one of the things that came out of the lower school social impact club is, um, one of our challenges was to imagine how many trees we have on our campus, on our school community. And, um, we, you know, I think we ended up having to go and ask Mr. Silver and um, Margaret, Miss Mirandazzo. And what we were interested in is connecting the number of trees in our community to preserving nature. And so we looked into different ways that we can do that. So it's using less paper towels when you're washing your hands, use one. Shake and fold. If you shake, 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 you know, we've all That's seen that TED one Talk. One of my favorite TED Talks. It's the best. We'll link yeah. it here if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I think there's a, a URL if you just Google shake and fold. It's something like shakeandfold.org now. Yeah, I think it's they the- have printouts. Oh, nice. We should do that. Print The irony is that we will print it onto paper. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some. Yeah, we'll do it on recyclable paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had in the lower school social impact club, they did a shake it off dance. Nice. And, you know, it was really fun. It was joyful, but it was also something that every time they wash their hands, mm-hmm. they can do this five second shake it off dance and use a single paper towel. Again, that is like very specific. It's very intentional. It has the opportunity and ability to go viral. Right. But if, I mean, even just simply, if everybody on campus washes their hands once. Yep. I really hope we do it more than once. Three times a day (laughs) should be the minimum. Yeah. Right. So just once a day and they use 
one instead of two. Right. Right. That's if you include adults, that's like 500 less paper towels per day. That's right. That And that you know, it's people, a big deal. people often will grab like five. Right. Right. In which case that's like a thousand less a day. Yep. And if you're washing your hands, you know, three times a day, then that's like 3000 less per day. It's so right. simple. So simple. And it's, it's something that can, what, let me see if I got it all is intentional. Yep. Habitual. Nice. And can go viral. Oh, Bill, you nailed Ooh, it. I don't think I have all six pillars of social entrepreneurship yet. You can. Let's but, try. Oh, now? Yeah, let's do it. Civics? Yep. Uh, systems? Yep. Story? Nice. Finance? Yep. Agency? And you can just say it and we'll edit it. Design. And design. You had them all. You've said them all. I did. I have said it's them all. It's when I put you on the spot. It's yeah. not fair. So, you know, I guess what I would share with anyone that's listening, hopefully a lot of you, um, is that there's really three keys to engaging deeply with micro civics. And again, I want to shout out my colleagues at the ACE Center and specifically Angelica, um, who's given me this framework. But it's really the idea that um, you need to engage with active listening consistently, whether that's podcasts, whether, you know, that's audiobooks, whether that's members of your community, going to town hall meetings, being aware of what's happening in your community. So your your connection to micro civics starts with a learner's mindset. Then it starts with engagement. And that might be, um, you know, sharing with similar minded people how you're thinking about something. It might mean engaging in a debate with someone that you don't necessarily agree um, or have the same lived experience. Um, but it also might mean that you are going to take an action. So you might join a protest. You might write a letter. You might do something that feels a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but it's an active engagement in your community. And the last one is to think about how you might share that with a larger group. So that's the, the part that connects to going viral um, is that we often talk, I often talk about the difference between innovation and entrepreneurship you can be an innovator off on your own. That's an important phase of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. we, we need that solidarity oftentimes, and we need that ability to think through challenges and problems on our own, but it's impossible to be an entrepreneur on your own. So your ability to connect your idea, um, to connect the thing that you are committing to, your habitual, intentional act with others, will be tied to your ability to help this idea go viral. Oh, I like that. So innovators are about me entrepreneurs are about we is that fair i think that is what i believe i okay. think innovators might take exception to that sure um but the way you're using it that's the way i'm using it yeah. and and i would argue innovators and entrepreneurs often intersect each other so yeah, you know yeah. you, not just one or the other sure it's a phase of growth um but we are really pushing people up along that s curve to think about how they connect their ideas with larger groups of people very cool. So for the educators out there, what are their next steps? They're listening. They're like, yes, all the yes. So much. Yes. Yeah. I would think about, you know, how you might share as an educator. One thing that I try to do is share, um, something that I am committing to. So something that I am currently committing to is supporting women owned businesses. This is both locally and globally. It is a habitual act. Every day when I go to buy something, I'm trying to not buy a lot of things. But if I am going to buy something, I'm trying to be really intentional about what I am purchasing. Um, I am a, I'm a single person. I have a dog, but I, my needs are much more limited than others. And I can, I can take that extra step to be intentional. Um, 
there's a huge gap in terms of um, women entrepreneurs and, and the support that they get both from funding and from marketing and communications. So it is an intentional act to support women-owned businesses. Um, and then I'm sharing this right now on the podcast, but I'm also sharing this with my family and friends. I think about it when I give gifts. I think about it, um, you know, when I'm when I'm going to um, create our shopping guide, all the ways that I can share the importance of being intentional with how we spend our money. And this could be a nice conversation writing prompt, responsive classroom kind of intro morning meeting something. Totally. January New Year's resolutions. Like it's super, that's, that's such an obvious like, all right, everybody, we're back. Yeah. Right. And instead of just being like the old hat of like, what's your New Year's resolution? Yeah. I, I really am not a New Year's resolution um, supporter. I am like a, let's, let's think about, let's be intentional about how we think about things. Um, and you know, so I guess the other piece that I would, that I would push people to think about is, um, we, I shared this book, I think we've talked about it on the podcast series before, but I think there's deep ties between micro civics and rituals. So think about a ritual you might want to take on for, even if it's just 15, 30 days. Um, and it's something that you are doing intentionally. It's something that is habitual. So, um, you know, make it small enough. This is the key. I think even for our youngest students, it's something small enough that even though you have to think about doing it, it's not, you don't have to overcome something to do it. Right. The, the book I read recently, Atomic Habits talks about that. Oh, nice. What's the smallest thing you can do that you will absolutely do. So the example was going to the gym. Like I want to get fit. I want to drop 20 pounds. And so the actual workflow, I'm going to have you guess what's the first step of dropping 20 pounds by going to the gym. What's the first commitment you make? Getting up in the morning with your gym clothes on? It's it's put on your gym clothes. Okay. And that's it. You don't go to the gym. You just put on your clothes. So I was kind of right. Yeah, no, totally right. And then step two is put on your clothes and drive to the gym. Oh, interesting. So you actually have this like lead up. Right, right, right. Because the the idea is if you're going to be like, cool, like I'm going to the gym like five days a week and I'm going to work out for an hour and a half, like... No, you're going to do that for like two weeks and then be like, this is hard. Right. But if you put on gym clothes, drive to the gym, sit there for five minutes and drive home, you do that for a week. At some point you're going to be like, dude, it's time to get in the gym. Like I'm going to go in. And then you just like go in. That's awesome. Right. Like the most interesting people to me, the, the people that are like, Brene Brown talks about this, but all sorts of people talk about this are like the people that are in the trenches and, you know, don't be a finger pointer up in the high seats, like pointing at everybody else's mistakes, like be willing to be in the trenches, even if that means you're going to fail a couple times. We had the gender diversity training yesterday and, and I loved the language of like meet people where they are. Yes. That's yes. critical. This is not about shaming. You know, I was with my friend recently and I, I had brought my reusable coffee mug to, to get coffee and he hadn't. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And I was like, listen, no, no. this is, this is not about embarrassment. And like, yeah, do I believe in bringing my own reusable mug? Absolutely. You might have a different thing that you're committing to. Sure. So by the way, quick shout out, since you talked about them, gender spectrum, just Google gender spectrum. So many amazing resources. Um, it is, it is worth your time to, to do a little digging in that. And I will say, you know, I, I was talking about women owned businesses. It is, it is the gender spectrum training pushed me to think about my language when I say women owned businesses. Oh, interesting. Tell me more. Well, there's a way to, to think about my language so that there's space for non-binary, um, transgender. There's all sorts of different ways that we can support entrepreneurs, um, that don't assign a gender when we're talking about their work. 
Oh, that's interesting. Let me know if you come up with a name. Yeah. I'm going to think more about it. We have yeah. great resources thanks to Gender Spectrum. Yeah, I like that. That has me thinking now. Yeah. Huh. Always fun, Bill. Always fun. Well, cool. So we talked about Gender Spectrum. Um, rituals for work, rituals for work, atomic habits, atomic habits. Um, there's a great medium article by Angelica. If you just look up the new micro civics, that's her article that gives you, um, some more in-depth examples of how you can engage with micro civics, both at home and at school. Well, very cool. And this is, uh, we're almost halfway done. We're maybe halfway done. We are more than halfway done. We've done four of the six. So if you've not listened to the other pillars of social entrepreneurship, I don't know they need to be done in order, but you know, you already listened to this one, go back and listen to the others. Yeah. And just a reminder, you know, these are the six pillars we believe make up social entrepreneurship education. And this is how we are defining that different from, or, you know, in connection to, but unique. Um, and they are, we're going to say them because it's important. So the six pillars are design, civics, systems, finance, story, and agency. So If you have ideas of how we can engage with those or how you are engaging, we'd love to hear your stories. Reach out to either of us. Yeah, absolutely. And you can always follow the Hillbrook Center for Teaching Excellence on the Twitters at HillbrookCTE, also HillbrookCTE.org. And you can follow the Scott Center social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. You can search for Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship and you'll find both of them. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for chatting, Annie. Thanks, Bill. Bill.